San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 941 FM, AM 1250, and of course we're online at sasportstar.com. I'm James Fledger. I'm joined by Jack Thompson, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, he is pulling a me. Yep. He is heading out of town today, yet doing the show anyway. Yes, sir. Just like when I went to Vegas, he's coming into work on a travel day. Yes, sir. What time you fly out tonight? Uh, We're flying out of Austin at like... 2.30, so... Okay. Yeah. So you're basically immediately heading yeah. to the airport from mm-hmm. here. Yeah, go pick up on and we're just going to head out. Nice. Man, I'm excited. I love New York so much. Oh, me too, so man. Much. It's, yeah, it's like my favorite place I've been to, so I'm... Culturally, it's just a whole ass vibe. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fits my vibe perfectly. Can't wait to go to some of my favorite stores. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to eat all the food. It's going to be so great. <laughs> now, you've been before. What are some of the things you've already done there? I've been. This will be my fourth time. So yeah. I've done basically all the touristy so stuff. So you've done Skyline. Mm-hmm. You've done, you know, ni- uh, the towers. Mm-hmm. You've done all the, the memorial site. All, all the major museums. Um, all like Rockefeller, uh, Central Top Park. of the Rock, Central Park. You name it. If it's a major touristy thing. You know, I've I've done it so, so far. So what's the plan then for we're you and Anna this time? Now that you've kind of done all the touristy stuff, yeah. What are you looking to get accomplished this trip? Uh we're really just kind of go. We don't really have any like set itinerary. We're mm-hmm. just gonna kind of go where the wind takes us. We have a couple places we want to go for sure, but yeah. nothing really like set in stone. We're just gonna kind of see what looks fun around us. I know we're gonna spend most of the day on Monday in Brooklyn to kind of explore nice. Brooklyn. But and then most of uh, tomorrow in in Manhattan. But I'm sure, you've done the garden. You've done oh, yeah. Rucker Park. <laughs> yep, done both of those. <laughs> Not sure I'll be taking the hour long train ride up to Rucker Park. What? <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Is just yeah. the the close proximity of everything. It seems, mm-hmm. and then just being able to take a subway kind of anywhere else you want. Yeah, like. Literally just being able to survive without a car there. Mm-hmm. It's wild. I like it, though. I liked all the walking, and I yeah. like the subway, too. I like it, too. I especially like the walking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, <laughs> in the dead of winter, may change my mind yes. on how much well, I like see, walking. See, that's the only time I've been to New York is in the winter, so I'm excited to go, like, now. I mean, Kind of fall? Yeah, it's fall over there, for, for sure. The weather's so nice, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Man, that that is awesome. I am excited for you. That is just one of my favorite spots Mm -hmm. to go visit. Like, I have so much fun every time I've ever been to New York. And the bars scene. Oh, yeah. The fact that things are open to, like, 4 in the morning kind of threw me for a loop the first time I was up there. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was not expecting that, but I wasn't mad about it either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some of the big news that happened overnight was we have a newest addition 
to the 700 Club. Ah, the GOAT. Pujols 700 watch 700 for the GOAT. The mm-hmm. machine. Yep. Albert Pujols, as he grooved two last night against the team he played for last year, mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Dodgers, on the road in Dodger Stadium. And that is the fourth player ever. Yep. Joining Barry Bonds, mm-hmm. your home run king. Yep. Or Hank Aaron, depending if you count Barry Bonds's being the home run king, and George Herman Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. It's about elite company as you can be with. That's about as elite as it gets. And yeah. it's incredible to see what he's done. He is 42 years old. Mm-hmm. Has over 20 home runs. on. He hit more home runs in half the at-bats this year than he has like over the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's had a crazy resurgence this year too, you know, going yard at the plate. It's been wild. And what everyone thought was kind of just like a happy go lucky send off year for Pujols. He's become must watch television and one of their best players from behind the plate. So Yeah. And it's crazy what he's doing. Don't look now, but St. Louis is playing really, really well as we get close mm-hmm. to playoff time. That may be another storyline to watch to see if Pujols can kind of go out with a ring. Yeah. And have some postseason heroics along the way. That's just an incredible thing to watch. I enjoy great storylines oh, yeah. like that. Serena Williams this year. Man, all of our goats are, are calling it Roger Federer. Yep. Tom Brady's probably playing his last season as he gets ready to take on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. For only the fifth time in his career. Weird, right? Yeah, it is kind of odd. <laughs> That's going to be a weird game this weekend, too. Does it make you... I know it does for me because I grew up with a lot of these players, but these are a lot of players that you grew up with as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. So it kind of like shifts the man i'm starting to get old if like all of these people who i grew up idolizing are starting to retire Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i grew up in all of the people you just mentioned like prime yeah so lebron yeah it's serena roger brady pool holes it's crazy yeah i mean it's absolutely wild thinking about it like when i think of like the best baseball player it's hard not to say Pujols has been mm-hmm. the best since I've been alive. So. Yeah. It's crazy. Changing of the guard here very soon in the sports world across every sport. Yeah. I mean, you look at the amount of great players, and, you know, Tiger's probably not far away. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you look at all of these sports in baseball, Shoei, Trout, like there are players yeah. that are there, Tatis, mm-hmm. ready to possibly take the torch from pool holsting yeah. carry on the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, name, name fine, yeah. a, per, a person outside of LeBron. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The basketball is in very good hands. Yes. Football is in very, very good hands. Good hands yeah. You look at Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. Like once Brady retires, there is still, and there's still an old garb with Aaron Rodgers for yeah, yeah. a few more years, probably Russell Wilson. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a transition for both of those. I look at golf, maybe with Rory, there is a transition piece with Tiger, mm-hmm. but I look at Serena retiring and I don't see anything. We thought maybe Coco Golf, we thought maybe Naomi Osaka, no matter who we've thought, mm-hmm. it's gone away as quickly as it came. Yeah. I think there's still a lot of hope for both of those two, and still very elite in what they do. And then there's also men's the new men's guy. I can't remember Francis Tafoy. TFO. TFO. Yeah, he's looking like he could be an the American. Next. Yeah. So, I think it's gonna be. And you've still got Joker. You still got Nadal. Yeah, there. you still have. Yeah, you still absolutely have the uh, two more goats. The foreign. <laughs> yeah, and there's Alacraz now too. The 19 year old mm-hmm. who just won the whole thing. Yeah, the U.S. Mm-hmm. So you got Alacross, you got TFO. Like, mm-hmm. there's something there. But on the women's side, once Serena leaves, it's wide open. It's wide open, and would, I don't see anybody ready to take the mantle. Yeah, you would hope it's going to be Naomi Osaka because she was looking like it was going to be it. her. Yeah. So hopefully she can rise back to what she. Uh, can do in the sport what we've seen her do the greatness that she can produce out there and i think that she can i mean she's not very long removed from that and it's Mm -hmm. been a very weird couple of years and she's had a rough go of it too so i think she'll settle back in it just shows too that mental health oh yeah it's a real thing Absolutely. Because she was primed to take over the entire tennis world especially when you rise to the top because then all eyes are on everything you do. And Ben Simmons just recently talked about everything mm-hmm. he went through. Yeah. I mean, we have to give mental health its due diligence. The problem I'm afraid of is people are going to use mental health as a weapon, in a sense. You know, yeah. whether it's rest days, because NBA is now going to give mental health rest days and stuff like that. Uh, I I just have a feeling much like certain injuries kind of get played up in order to circumvent rules. There's always going to be people looking to circumvent a set of rules once given the opportunity. And I'm afraid that mental health, even though it's going to shine a bad light Mm -hmm. on the people that actually are having to deal with it by trying to circumvent it using said injury designation you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. and that's just such a brutal thing also do you know uh spurs training camp media day is monday i did not know that it was monday but i saw that the official training camp roster was announced so i figured it was coming up soon but 
Monday. That's I did not know it was there. They have 20 players on their roster currently. Mm-hmm. Going to have to wean that down a little bit. Just a smidgen, right? <laughs> I mean, I look at that, and that is a ton of players. you got to have, what, 16? Yeah. When you're about to mm-hmm. take on. And as the Spurs hit camp, there's going to be a new face on the sideline. Seven-time WNBA All-Star Candace Dupree was hired on to Greg Popovich's staff yesterday. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I do too. Yeah. I think it's great. It also just makes me miss Becky more. I yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely miss Becky, but it looks like she's right where she belongs. She's killing it. Yeah. Like the Aces, Champs, that party in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Man, I wish I was there for that. Yeah. That looked like a vibe. I mean, she brought Vegas its first major pro sports championship. Yes. It's incredible. In her first year. <laughs> and it was really cool to see them flash during the Raiders game. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had won the title mm-hmm. and the reaction yeah, inside yeah. Allegiant Stadium yeah. that it got. That was cool. I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, Another Spurs former staffer, mm-hmm. has found himself in a little bit of hot water. Yes. Ime Udoka has been suspended for the year for what is deemed as an inappropriate relationship at work. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's deemed consensual. But then there were reports after the fact that he was making unwanted advances at first mm-hmm. from Sham Sharania. And... The year-long suspension, we kept trying to question, like, why Why is this so heavy-handed? Why is this morality code within the Celtics? Because this isn't an NBA rule. Mm-hmm. This was a Celtics suspension. Yeah, They were imposing it themselves on a guy that just led this team in his first year to the NBA Finals and was two games away from being a champion. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It was a weird situation, and then you start seeing internet slews put up every woman that is in the Celtics organization. Yeah, and it was it just felt wrong to go through that. But I, Ime said he's not retiring mm-hmm. or quitting. Yeah, not stepping down. But the Celtics have said that they will reevaluate after, like, there is no guarantees that mm-hmm. Ime is coming back to Boston. No, yeah, no guarantees at all. Especially, like, once I saw that they were suspending him for the year, I thought, grim, grim waters up coming for, for Ime, for mm-hmm. sure. Because uh, a penalty that severe, hard to come back from in the public eye, in the eyes of people around the organization. So, yeah, I mean, it's not looking very bright ahead for for Ime Odoka, and he's just got to live with the consequences of his actions. I mean, he made the choice. He knew, obviously, he knew that that was part of the organization rules, and Mm -hmm. he still did it. So, 
can't say I don't feel bad for the guy whatsoever. It's just so heavy that it feels like there's so much more there than what's being actually oh, yeah. reported, right? Certainly. Because that feels more like, a, all right, you're suspended for the first month of the season. Yeah. Like you, you fraternized at work. You dipped your pen in company ink, and mm-hmm. that's, that's something that we don't allow. Like no, it seems a a way year? deeper than that. Yeah, this feels very deep. Feels very power trip. And like so he got caught up in being the Celtics head coach and lost his way. But and I want to know where you stand on this because there is now on the table at least because the Celtics have said we'll reevaluate mm-hmm. after the suspension ends that he could be let go. Yeah. I would still think there are multiple teams that oh. would line up to hire Ime Udoka. Absolutely. Despite what yes. is going on. And we're going to find out the full breadth of what happened eventually. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like that, those details are eventually going to come out. Mm-hmm. But we've seen. Oh, he's going to get hired again. But we've seen the Spurs will rehab and polish a stone he's family i don't played know. here coached here nah he's in I, with poppy's in with the front office and we've seen when it comes to interrelationships interteam relationships the spurs have navigated through those waters themselves different times it was <laughs> Nah, I don't see him coming back to the Spurs. Would you want him? Not really. Really? Because of what's going on in Boston? Yeah. That's interesting, because I figured you would have been like, yeah, bring him back. Come home. We'll wrap you in the company cloth. We'll, We'll clean up the stone. You'll sit behind Pop, and when he's finally ready to, you know, walk off into the sunset, Because last year, less than six months ago, we were talking about Becky, Ime. We lost all these guys we had a chance to replace Pop with. No, I mean, certainly we... I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I I feel that we missed out when we let him go, for sure. It was early for him, obviously, because Pop was not Mm -hmm. ready to step down. But, I don't know, this kind of just shows me, like... Of course, everyone messes up in life, sure. but this is like a character thing, mm-hmm. big time, and I'm not sure I want that that baggage, and not sure Ime's really, you know, the guy that we all thought he was. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Pop is very unhappy with his former protege, so no, I don't, I don't really want him back. I'd I mean, much rather go get Becky than him. I, I, here's the thing. <laughs> you cheat on Nia long, mm-hmm. and it shows me that your decision-making process isn't the best. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. But at the same time, I also am reminded of something from when I was a kid. I was on Chris Rock's Bigger and Blacker stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And he said... A man is only as faithful as his options. And we've seen this 
throughout history, whether it's Tiger Woods, who was married to Elon Norgan, of course, Nia Long, Ime Udoka. Like, this isn't new to anything that we've seen. No, it's very common in sport. <laughs> yeah. And because their options are plentiful. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the hotel lobby of an NBA team, <laughs> yeah, it but gets this is, thirsty. <laughs> this is like, but this is even more different than that because is. this is someone that was in the building yes. every day. Like, this was a calculated thing. This was not random. And the problem is we don't know if this is like how we talked about Deshaun. Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. He had this perceived power over these masseuses because, yeah. like, I can ruin you. I can end your career. You can never do something again. He put people in a compromised situation because of his power. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. If this is someone who works under email, like, in the hierarchy of an NBA franchise, it is the owner. It is the president, mm -hmm. it is the vice president, it is the general manager, and it is the head coach. Yeah. There aren't many people above the head coach. No, certainly not. And so that wields, with that position, a lot of power within that organization that could, theoretically, put a person in a compromised situation to where you almost feel like you have to say yes. Mm -hmm. Possibly. No, yeah. For sure. It could have absolutely been a power trip deal. And I think that that definitely has something to do with it. That's why it's being kept so under wraps. That's why I think the punishment was so severe. It's just coming off that way and time will tell. But yeah, not a great look. Now, on the other side of things, I mentioned the 20 players. I mentioned the new addition to the coaching staff. The Spurs training camp starts Monday. We're two days away mm -hmm. from media day and training camp starting for the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. We have gone on record multiple times about how good or bad this team could possibly be. It'll be fun, but I don't think we'll be good. I also think it will be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a load of It's going to be tons of fun. Yeah, super exciting. It's not going to be... aesthetically pleasing at times no certainly not yeah <laughs> it's gonna be ugly basketball i'm not surprised at the uh, yeah now I, I hope it's a lot of like i want it to be like a lot of team ball and chemistry but i also want to see a lot of like one-on-one -on -one. i want to see like what these young guys can go and do and like who's worth riding this train with us so i think it's a both i, I would love to see both like a lot of camaraderie and, you know, chemistry building and team ball, but I want to see a lot of ISO and one-on-one, and -on -one too. I want to warn Spurs fans right now because it has been a long time since you've had to deal with anything oh, like, like this. this. Oh, yeah. It's been, it it's been, been 22 years. A long time. In 22 and, and years. even then, that was a that was a dip. That was just a one-year dip in it, the radar. Exactly, yeah. It wasn't like this. So... As as a man who is dealing with this on multiple fronts, I had to deal with it with the Astros. Mm -hmm. I saw them bottom out, clean the cupboard, and build back up, and it, and it's worked. Yeah, they've gone to uh, won five of six division titles. They've been to 
three World Series. They've been to six straight ALCSs. Like, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to. You, you have, have to, to go endure. all in. You, you have, have to be to all endure. in and endure. Yeah. The Rockets are doing it. Yeah. They ripped it down, and I am surprised with how quickly this may pop back up for them yeah. after the Harden deal. But you get the two pick, you get the three pick, mm-hmm. and you've got one more possibility of. But this is a team that I also think could start to turn that corner this year. And I think for the Rockets, it's all going to be dependent on how good uh, Jabari is right away. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a that's going to take some time. We yeah. won't see him start to kind of get it until about halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, it's how dependent on how great Jalen Green. Well, is. I think he's going to come out and kill right away. I do too. But like, let's face it, Jalen Green is the linchpin of this Rockets rebuild right now. But I think Jabari has all the tools to take that over. I hope so because I can't believe that the number one perceived pick in the draft fell to the Rockets. I just can't. Well, we knew, we all knew it was not going to stand pat at that one, two, three. Someone was going to change it up. And, and I'm not mad about it. No, I mean, I would have been extremely happy with any three of those players at one, two, or three. I would have figured if it changed up, it would have been Chet that fell. And then I would have been like, ah, that is such a boomer bust But I prospect. also could have seen Chet being the one taking it one for all the crazy upside sure. that he has. So. Sure. <laughs> It was so like hit or miss on whoever like who we thought was gonna take someone where. And lastly, my my Texans are, have done it. Yeah. They have ripped it to the studs. Mm-hmm. And through the first two games, the defense looks like it's playing extremely well. Yeah, defense solid. Davis offense Mills, needs a lot of help. Davis Mills looked pretty solid week one, but like a marshmallow. He looks solid for a half. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true for a half. And part of it, too, is there's no commitment to Damian Pierce in the running game, so it's putting a lot more pressure on Davis Mills. It's Part of it's play calling, part of it's Mills not taking chances. There are like a whole lot of things going on, but it is an incremental growth, so I'm mm-hmm. looking at the defense playing as well as it has, holding Russell Wilson and the Broncos down, yeah. holding the perceived division champs down in the first week of the season to where they were basically showing them out through the first mm-hmm. three quarters of that game. Yeah. Like they the defense has taken this huge step forward. And these are the things within a bad rebuild that you have to look at. Positive incremental growth yeah. and it's it's limited. It is small sample size and it is pieces of the ball, whether it's defensively, offensively, a single player, a quarter. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's a rebuild. No, Those yeah. are the things that you hold on to and look and go, there's the hope. Yeah. Scoring on a two-minute drill, like little things like that. And that's Spurs fans, is something you're going to have to at least get ready for this year because I don't think – I think Joe Reinagle is the only one that thinks the Spurs are going to be good and win over 30 games this year. I hope to God not. <laughs> Because then, what the hell did we just go through this summer? If we're we're stuck it's in still the same playing, yeah, we're stuck in the same place. Drafting tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Oh, if that happened, man, I would throw up. I would literally throw up. 
He is Jack Thompson. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. Hopefully he's not posting a video of himself throwing up if that <laughs> happens. I am I am Fletcher. You can follow the station at SA Sports Star. When we come back, speaking of the NFL, the Texans, the Cowboys, huge Monday night game. Can Cooper Rush do it again? We'll discuss it all next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. And AM twelve fifty. What's up? It's Rudy J. Enjoy your weekend, and let's talk the biggest stories in sports Monday morning, seven till ten. It's R and R in the morning on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM twelve fifty and ninety four one FM. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star ninety four one FM AM twelve fifty. He is Jack Thompson. I am James Pledger. We're taking you at nine o'clock this morning as we look at the NFL this weekend. We'll start off with some of the games that are going on this weekend uh, since the Cowboys play on Monday night. And Jack, what are some of the matchups you're looking forward to this weekend? Obviously, I'm looking forward to two horrible teams playing in the Texans and, and Bears <laughs> on Sunday afternoon up in Soldier Field with two very inept-looking offenses. <laughs> you could say the same thing about my Cowboys game. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that game's going to be big. Uh, of course, the Bills Dolphins Bills game of the Dolphins week. Dolphins looks fire, right? Yeah, that game looks phenomenal. That's a five star matchup, mm-hmm. and I think we're gonna find out a lot more about the Dolphins in this game than yeah. even the last one. We'll see how legit they truly are. Because through looked, three quarters, exactly, Tua was looking like you know normal Tua. He, he looked was like getting, average Tua. Yeah, and then he caught. He went Super Saiyan in that fourth quarter. He did. It was crazy. (laughs) It felt like I was watching Red Zone, and it felt like I was just watching the Dolphins game. (laughs) It was happening so quickly. The gaffes on the back end of the Ravens secondary to allow Tyreek to just kind of go off. Yeah, how do you just get let him like be thirty yards back and literally keep everything in front? To be fair, to be fair. When the Chiefs had Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. teams that would fall asleep, that's exactly how the Chiefs hit you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think, you know, you got a lead on them, you get a little comfortable, you play a little lax. You and play some off coverage. Suddenly, Tyreek's gone for an 80-yard bomb touchdown, and the game's one score, and Patty's getting the ball back. <laughs> exactly. But I think that game, you're nail on the head, that game's going to be super interesting because of the dynamic of the first half and yeah. then the second half of that game. And and then the Bills just look like... One of the best teams in football, yeah. if not I think they look like hands down the best. I don't think it's hands down the best. I still think Kansas City poses a legitimate threat. The thing, I think, obviously, Kansas City has the offense to keep up with them, but the Bills have allowed... Yes. No, nothing on offense. Like, their defense is superb. And this week, they're going to be without Micah Hyde and Justin Poirier. So, it's going to look a lot different. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if that defense as is le- super legit without their two-star safeties. But, man, that defense looks as good as the offense. It's, that's a great team. Another low-key game I'm, I'm very interested in at noon. Raiders Titans, a battle of 0 and 2 teams. Yeah, battle of teams that need to get right. Those teams very... need to get right in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Titans fall to 0 and 3, 
you're going to start hearing a loud, yeah. a rising voice of... Malik Willis. Exactly. Malik Willis. Because yep. I think they were done with Ryan Tannehill before they yeah. even drafted Malik Willis. No, yeah. They just didn't have anything other than Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Now that there's at least something yeah. shiny back You go there. 0-3, you got nothing left to lose. Like, it's... Uh, superb uphill climb to get into the playoff picture. Now, does the division they're in allow you to be more patient, though? Maybe, but still, going 0-3. Because we're talking about the Texans, Jaguars, and Colts, and the Colts look probably worse than the Titans do. They do right now, but I think I have more faith in the Colts to right the ship. I would hope so. And then the Jaguars have been looking good. Well, I mean, the Colts will be 0-2-1 likely after this week, though. Yeah, the Colts got the Chiefs. That's a that's a tall order. Um, another game I'm looking forward to is Eagles Commanders. Yes, Wentz's return to Philly. Mm-hmm. And you know everyone has been praising Jalen Hurts, rightfully so. I mean he's been great. Dude's only thrown one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you got to throw the ball into the end zone to score. Sure. So I think that may come back to bite him. Washington's got a pretty solid defense, so. We'll see what they do against Jalen. And uh, Wentz, I mean, on the contrary, Wentz may not have looked as good as Hurts, but he's thrown seven touchdowns mm-hmm. already. But he's also gone full Wentz, too. Yeah, he's had some <laughs> Wentz moments. But I look at Jalen Hurts, and despite the lack of touchdown throws, the efficiency in which they move the ball offensively, oh, yeah. on top of the fact that his throwing motion is is tighter. Mm-hmm. You can see it. The arm stays closer into the body. The 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 throwing motion isn't as elongated as, as it was yeah. this past season. No, he's he looks obviously phenomenal. put in work. No, he looks phenomenal. He's taken a major leap. But eventually, sure. You're going to play a team that I mean, like I could say like if when you play us. Yes. We are going to we'll give you yards up on the pass, but it's going to be hard to run against us. We are fast and we are mm-hmm. we switch everything like and we can spy with a, three different linebackers and still rush Micah. But maybe that's the point. They're trying to put all of this run stuff on film yeah. so that when they're forced to switch Could it be. up, it will be easier, yeah, especially yeah. the first time they have to do it. No, I agree. It could be like that, no doubt. Now, Hertz is looking amazing. No doubt about that. Speaking of uh, quarterback controversies, as we talked about Ryan Tannehill, how quick are you to bench Mitch Trubisky and bring Kenny Pickett in? Uh, I think it might be still a little too early. I mean, that division, they could still go and win it with their record starting the way it is. Sure. So... I think it might be a, a tad early, but if you start losing more games and it, that window gets smaller and smaller, you got nothing to lose. And if you drafted Kenny Pickett to be the guy, then go let him start being the guy. Part of me, with what I've seen from him, I throw him out there. Like I, at this point, I throw him out there because I want him to. I have Najee Harris. I'm tired I've of him. Got Najee too. <laughs> God, that last play pissed me off so much. Freaking. Fumble on a... Oh, God, don't even. That made me so angry. I uh, lost two points on that, too. Anyway, but Four I throw points. him in there because it gives you a... I, I think K 
Kenny Pickett processes quickly. He takes more chances with the football. Yeah. So it opens the offense probably more. Mm -hmm. And if that offensive line ends up getting him killed and you're scared of stunting his development, don't be because if the offensive line causes him to take a beating before you go full David Carr on it and break him, Mm -hmm. just flip him back and then let him learn as you, as you, Mm -hmm. Go forward. Just Not, yeah. The, what broke David Carr was the fact that they didn't have anybody else to go to. They just put D- David Carr out there and continually let him get hit over and over and over and over again to mm-hmm. where it it just he always expected to get hit. Yeah. But with Kenny Pickett, I try it because he is. It does look like he's processing fast. It did look like, especially in the preseason, that he was very good at avoiding the pressure in a sense of getting the ball out quickly if he had to. And if that doesn't translate into the regular season, flip him back, like pull the hook. But at this point, I'm okay with trying to at least roll him out there because I feel like he gives them the best opportunity to make that offense more explosive. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. <laughs> all right, so your Cowboys. Cowboys. Let's go. They can do it again, and if they get this win up in New York, all of a sudden, if the Commanders somehow pulled uh win over the Eagles, you've won two straight and you're tied at the top of the division. Yeah. With all four teams, but you're tied at the top of the division. Mhm. Worst case scenario, you're or not worst case, but the next scenario is you're just Eagles the game behind and, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. But you keep pace with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can Cooper Rush do it again? Because yes. at least through the first two weeks of the season, while the Giants' offense hasn't been anything to write home about, the defense looks like it's played pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The defense has been solid. I mean, to allow just one touchdown mm-hmm. to. Tom and Joe Burrow with Mike Evans, Chris oh, Godwin. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the Giants defense. Oh, yeah, the Giants defense has I mean, been all right. I get right. it. They played Baker. They played uh, Carson, or excuse me, they played Baker and they played Tannehill. But they both of those games have been extremely low-scoring games. Yeah, so the defense but it was, has done it was its Baker's part. first game. Second. Or, yeah, okay, second game. It was and Tannehill's first. still... Like, they horribly underutilized Saquon Barkley. I was going to say, on the flip side, Christian McCaffrey. You mean the Panthers horribly underutilized Christian McCaffrey. Right, right. And, I mean, and they they only have won by a combined four points. No. It has been extremely close. It has been extremely low scoring. But with the low scoring means the defense has played in turn. Well, against lesser quarterbacks, they only obviously. have they only have three. I'm sacks. not saying they're on. I'm not saying they're on the Cowboys pedestal when it comes to defense. The Cowboys defense is playing otherworldly right now. Micah Parsons has been incredible, yeah. and I am going to give the flowers that I did not give Trayvon Diggs all off season because I was worried about him just gambling, and I, I told you multiple times. If he only has like four and five picks, mm-hmm. but gave up half of the yards and half of the penalties, I consider that an even 
better yeah. version of Trayvon Diggs than the previous. And so far, he has done that. Oh, yeah. He has not he given shut up the Jamar yard. Chase down. Shut two catches, 14 yards. Yeah. Throughout the, throughout the game, where he was the primary defender, yeah, he on him. he shut him down, and that was he and uh, uh, Jamar Chase went into that game talking a little smack about Trayvon Diggs. He did, and Trayvon was like, "Oh, I'll show you." He said, "I mean, he's a gambler, man. It's yeah, pretty he's easy either to all get in on or he's not." Yeah, and, nah, he, he was all in that game. No, he <laughs> locked Jamar down, which is fine with me because I got T Higgins, and I I. Just, I personally want to give Trayvon Diggs his flowers. Yeah. Because through these first two games, he has been locked in. And, he and made, he's had to go against Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Julio, and Chris Goblin Godwin. before he got hurt. Yeah. So. And he made a game winning play in that last game with, the, with that tackle with that for tackle. loss. Yeah. He came flying that up was, to the line yeah. of scrimmage. And did you hear that that was like the comms were down Mm -hmm. between the players and the coaches? So that was just, he just went and made that play blindly. That was, that was beautiful. I see. I'm just not scared of the Giants offense. You shouldn't whatsoever, especially with the way this defense is playing. No receivers, especially with the way the defense is playing. And the no receivers thing is kind of a fault of their own. It's a huge fault of their own. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're not playing Kenny Galladay, which I get it. But they're also not playing uh, Kadarius Tony, who mm-hmm. I think is their best it's, receiver. Yeah, he's their best, yeah, for sure. Because he's part of the old regime, and they're obviously trying to force it's out so, the old but regime. But he's only one year. Like, this is only his second year. That's crazy to me. Yeah, it's still just, you know, the, the man of old, Sterling Shepard, still getting all the targets. We hear about it all the time, though. If you didn't draft that no, guy, you have fair. no connection to that guy. No, I understand that, but go watch his tape. Dude's a freaking weapon. He is, and that's what's so... Like, he must be such a bad dude in the locker room. Yeah, his attitude must be terrible. Like, for them to have already punted on him Mm -hmm. just before week one of the season, because he is a weapon, Mm -hmm. like you said, and I cannot believe that he just can't get on the field looking at the weapons that they're trotting out there. Yeah. The uh Daniel Jones has been sacked 8 times in the first 2 games. I would not be surprised if that number jumped completely doubled. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if it jumped by 3 cuz they after this game. they themselves only have 3 sacks on the season. Mm-hmm. Micah has 6 already. So it could be a a long day for old Danny Dimes. Micah's an issue, although he's missed the last two days with cold. I think he'll be okay. I, I hope he'll be okay. <laughs> the thing is, like, that would suck if we lost Micah, but we're so deep at linebacker. And Edge Rush has been good, too. I think Torrance Armstrong has played Dante well. Dante Fowler. Sam Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, they've all... Tank has been creating tons of holes for those rookies up there and second-year players up the middle, too. They've been playing. Uh, he's also been playing the run extremely well. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, Which, I've been, if you're going to beat the Giants, you got you key in on the run. shut down the run because yeah. that's how they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a heavy dose of Saquon, no doubt about that. He is Jack Thompson. I am James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. When we come back, get a little... Well, I'm nostalgic. I want to find out exactly what Jack has planned because I'm going to reminisce about some of 
my New York trips and some of my favorite things to do while I was there. And I want to see if I can pull what he kind of has planned. Because he alluded to some plans in the open. But he didn't give me anything. I want to know what he's got going on. We'll talk about it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and AM 1250. This is Max Kellerman. You're listening to San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson. We take you to 9 o'clock every Saturday morning, getting you ready for all the big games. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to look into the college football scene as... The Aggies got themselves a huge bounce-back win, as we talked about last yes, sir. week. And they got a chance to make another statement this weekend. It is what is basically, basically going to be a home game. Mm-hmm. Plus, Well, it's kind of a home game, but that Arkansas fan, fans travel yeah, for travel. this game. But it's a home game, and you know it's a home game. It's going to be, it'll be a pretty even split, I think. It will be. Uh, conference play opening up for both them and the Longhorns, who have their own tough trip planned up to Lubbock, where I'm sure they've been drinking since Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jack's headed after the show to get on a plane and go to one of my favorite cities yes, in sir. America, New York City, yep. the city that never sleeps. And I can see why it never sleeps, because there's so much to do yeah. there. So much. And you're going to be there for what? Four, I'll be there five for five days? Nah, only, only two full days. Two full days? Yeah, so. we'll get there this evening, and we'll have this evening, and then all of uh, Sunday and Monday, and then we come back on Tuesday. Okay, so you've got basically two and a half full days to mm-hmm. kind of do some things, because once you land tonight, you got plenty of time to run around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there around like, probably get back to the hotel around like 7, mm-hmm. 7.30, and then just... Get ready and hit the town for the rest of the night. Start walking. Yep. <laughs> so we're in a great location too. We're where right. Where are you staying? We're playing at. We're staying at Central and Fifth. Okay. Yeah. I've stayed over in that area. That's yeah, yeah. a great. Area oh yeah, of town. it's right where everything is going on. So there will be no. Uh, short, there will be uh, no limited short, subway. Yeah, it'll be so much for us to do. Yeah, I'm so excited. All right. So what do you have planned? Because you're in a really happening spot. Well, I mean, like I said before, we don't really have anything set in stone. You said you got a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go to, like, uh, the uh, Museum of Modern Art for sure. We'll nice. go to the Guggenheim. Um, Ooh, really? You're going to hit the Guggenheim? Oh, yeah. The Guggenheim's awesome. Yeah. Because uh, Alan's never been there either, so we've got to go okay. there. Because uh, I enjoy the history and the art museums yeah yeah in new york like they're great we might hit the met the met's just so massive you could spend all day there and not appropriately mm-hmm. take everything in um there's a really cool museum called the international sex museum really that has yeah i've been there before it's pretty crazy <laughs> okay. they have a full bar too which is cool really yeah so we're going to go there that's awesome yeah um, we're definitely going to hit up Central Park, mm-hmm. going to hit up a few stores we both want to go to. Um, what stores are, are you? Well, I really want to go to Kith. Yeah. I was going to say, are you going to Kith? Yeah. Or are you going to definitely going to Kith and definitely want to go to a store called only New York. Nice. 
Um, looking, I'm looking to buy some shoes for sure. Hopefully, I can find some I like. I figured. <laughs> I figured you had that planned while you were there. Mm-hmm. We're definitely gonna eat our way through the city. Yes. We're gonna hit Central Park, no doubt about that. We'll spend uh, most of a full day in Brooklyn on Monday. We ne- neither of us have really ex- taken in Brooklyn. Yeah, explored Brooklyn and seen all the stuff they have there. So we'll do that. Um. One of our friends might be up there while we're there too, so oh, we'll probably cool. all meet up and do something. But that's really it. We're kind of just kind of you have kind of planned to hit. Uh, Anna has a bunch of stuff like in her notes, yeah. but we're really just gonna just go with the flow, see where the wind takes us, and just find some cool stuff to do. I know uh, the last time I went there, I went to basically the bar that inspired. How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Nice. McGee's Pub. Yeah, yeah. McLaren's. Mm-hmm. Well, it's McLaren's and How I Met Your Mother. It's McGee's Pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very How I Met Your Mother themed. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. If you get a chance, hit McGee's Pub. Yeah, yeah. That place is is a lot of fun, especially if you're a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, food around the city is incredible oh, the unlimited I know supply your, i know you've got your pizza spot yeah in brooklyn we're definitely going to go to carmine's that's that pizza's amazing and i told you like if you get a chance hit lombardi's lombardi's is we might yeah we, we might go tonight and find somewhere it is fantastic yeah i it is my favorite pizza spot that nice. i've been to i've had a couple and of course you got to eat falafel while you're there right? oh well, yeah we're gonna we're gonna eat a lot <laughs> that's like what we're looking forward to the most is the just food. finding all these cool places to eat <laughs> nice when we come back though we're gonna talk a little bit about college football because the aggies got back on track but also disrespected again i was about to bring that up both texas and a&m were disrespected i think as well as utsa in the process we'll talk about it all coming back here on the saturday morning hangover on san antonio sports star 94 1 fm and am twelve fifty. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning and welcome back into the second hour of the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by Jack Thompson. We've got one more hour to go on the show, and we have yet to really talk college football, but... We are talking college football this segment and the amount of disrespect that was shown to the schools in the state of Texas over the past week. Yeah. I want to start off by congratulating A&M. Yeah. Because he, he's they bounced back win. They bounced back impressively against Miami. Yeah. Uh, Max Johnson takes over the reins as the starter and just kind of Leads the team and lets the defense do their thing. No touchdowns against the number 13 Miami team. No touchdowns, but at the same time, you look at what Max did and that Haynes couldn't do. He at least converted drives to keep them alive, even though they didn't score a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Like He kept drives alive. There weren't a lot of three and outs. It was more, you know, a couple of sustained. Gave your defense rest. Yeah. And that was... That was what you needed, mm-hmm. especially with the way the defense is yeah. playing this year. They've been great so far, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, they the the thing about the App State game is we were stopping them from scoring touchdowns, but they would get, you know, 10-minute drives every time they had the ball, and the defense just 
would get them to third down and then they'd convert some dink and dunk and then get them to third down and then same thing and then they'd kick a field goal. But yeah, we And just, the problem was, especially by the end of the game, the offense was doing it no favor. Three and out. Mm-hmm. Back on the field for the defense. Yeah, immediate three Fifteen and play drive. Yeah. <laughs> they were provided no rest mm-hmm. because of the inefficiency of the offense. No, I agree. And at least with Mac Johnson, you at least got some first downs, mm-hmm. which is, allows your defense to catch its breath. What also made it even more impressive is that we find out, you know, hours before the game that our two five-star receivers, mm-hmm. freshman receivers, were suspended for the evening, one of which, Evan Stewart, was our top receiver thus far in the year. Yeah. So losing two five-star receivers going into the first game with Max Johnson trying to right the ship, and he still is able to do it by controlling the game, is pretty impressive. Uh, we were also down uh, a five-star cornerback and a four-star safety. Yep. So both um, both sides of the ball got it done. We held number 13 to only three field goals. We got a touchdown in there on both sides of the ball, so... On the other side, the Texas Longhorns beat the UTSA Roadrunners, mm-hmm. and UTSA played extremely well yeah, throughout that, that game. first half was phenomenal. Tied at 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, UTSA goes two overtimes against uh, Houston, mm-hmm. a ranked Houston team, and loses. Then they uh, get Army into overtime and win that game, and all of a sudden, they come in and play Texas, to a 17-17 game at the half. Fantastic showing by UTSA oh, in yeah. that game. That, UTSA played well. It was a great job by Texas to be able to withstand yeah. the pressure that UTSA put on them through the first half of football. Mm-hmm. But a lot of injuries, seven offensive linemen down, 21 injured lists, you know, six MRIs, I think, going yeah. into the uh, the following day for UTSA. Like, eventually attrition... And that's the difference between a UTSA and a UT or an A&M. Like, yeah. the, you can just come in waves. Alabama. Like, yeah. the, there's just waves of great players. Mm-hmm. You got five stars that aren't even playing. UTSA's starters can play with anybody in the nation. I believe that. Yeah. Once you get second and then third, like, yeah. that's where the difference the between drop off is so the evident. two types of programs yeah. are. Because, yeah, because backups for UT and A&M our starters. starters for UTSA. It's and you know, so and it the, just it sucks that they got so injury prone and it also sucks that Bijan Robinson is freaking incredible because <laughs> they could not stop that man. The problem is though, I look at the disrespect for all three teams, and this is what I mean by the disrespect of all three. And you can even say four teams with Texas Tech. Texas Tech being a ranked Houston team. Mm-hmm. They fall to a top 10 NC State team now, right? Or top 12, I think. It was a close game. One to blowout. They were within, I believe, two scores. I think it was 10 to 14 points, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Respectful. Yeah. Against what is perceived to be a very good team. Mm -hmm. You already beat a very good team in Houston. Yeah, yeah. Texas Tech's not ranked. No. UTSA. I just talked about their first couple of weeks of the season against that they ranked Houston team. They were one team. play against going into the UT game ranked. Played them to the end of the half tight. Not saying they should be ranked, but, but 
Texas falls in the rankings. Yeah. There's no reason that Texas should have playing with really... a backup quarterback that mm-hmm. was also limping around. Not even a backup, a third their third backup. Well, it's their second backup, but well, their third... Hudson Card played. Oh, it was Hudson Card the whole game? I thought it was Well, Wright came in for a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, he was still limping around. So yeah. Hudson Card playing at like fifty percent. Mm-hmm. They drop in the rankings. Texas A&M beats the 13th ranked team in the country. Yeah. Right? Holding them to just nine points. Does Don't even allow them to score a touchdown. They only move up one spot. And this is a team that had scored 100 points in their first two games combined. 100. They only move up one spot? Yeah. That's, that's so, ridiculous This to is me. going to be interesting if A&M can pull off the upset against Arkansas, who is ranked 10th in the country. If they don't get into the top 15 at that point, I have an issue. Oh, uh, yeah. I have a big issue because Arkansas poses a problem. They pose a problem, but they put they give up points. I, they do. They gave up I like 30. KJ. They gave up 30 to South Carolina. The problem becomes for me with Arkansas, and we saw it the previous year when they won, like they just run. Yeah. They run and they run. And eventually, you are worn down if that game is close at the end. Mm-hmm. And A&M's offense at least proves to me you're going to stay close. By the end of the game, if they're allowed to run as much as they want to run, as great as that A&M defense is, every defense wears down. No, for sure. The thing is, they're terrible against the pass. Sure. They're awful against the pass. But so- A&M has shown us nothing to this point that leads us to believe that they can take advantage of that. Well, I think... We might have been able to see a little bit more if we had those two freshmen last week. I think another week with Johnson running with the ones, you get those two five-star freshmen back in there. Sure. And I think you've got to feature Anaya Smith heavily. Sure. But, and my problem with it, having those weapons helps? Sure. Obviously it helps. Yeah. But we talked about the depth, too. We talked about, you know... Their their backups are four stars, mm-hmm. so five star, four star. It is what it is. They're they're still great players behind them. Jimbo is recruited extremely well. Well, I the the receivers behind those guys are nothing to write home about. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, they were when they were brought on campus. Maybe at some point, but the best receiver behind them is Chase Lane, and he's coming back from a devastating knee injury. And then, besides that, I mean, you're looking at tight ends, really. We yes. Don't, we are not very deep at receiver. It's Anaya Smith. You, they the can freshman. be excuses or not, because look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young was dealing with a whole new set of receivers. They are not wide receiver you this year. No, by, not by far. It's they crazy. could be by the end of the year, but Bryce Young found a way to win against Texas. Oh, you're talking about a transfer and Max Johnson sure. and the reigning Heisman winner. Sure. A little bit more of an expectation. Hudson Card found a, a Quinn Ewers. Yeah, but Hudson Card is a proven player. He led the Big 12 and, you know, he was he was good last year. I don't year. think he led the Big 12 in anything. Casey Thompson was yeah, the starter it, for most of yeah, the year. Yeah, it was Casey Thompson, you're right. <laughs> um, but I mean, there you take advantage Quarterbacks can take advantage no, I agree. regardless of their weaponry. Their weaponry makes them better, obviously, but they can still take advantage. And I have yet to see A&M offensively, and Jimbo is a guy that 
we we talk about him grooming quarterbacks and making quarterbacks and doing all these great things. The passing game has not been there, and even with it hasn't, no. even with Kellen Mond, it's been underwhelming. Right? Yeah. yeah, I agree. So at at some point, is this on Jimbo Fisher? Is this on the quarterbacks? Is this on the lack of weaponry? Like, where does the blame eventually fall at the feet of? Because I think it's starting to point to Jimbo. Did Jimbo bring in Kellen Mond, or was that still someone? He brought in Kellen Mond. I believe that was one of of his first recruits. Gotcha. If I remember correctly, because Jimbo's been there five years now? I think so. That sounds right. Five, Five, six years? And Kellamon was there for four. So possibly, possibly Kellamon is Jimbo's guy, mm-hmm. but I don't know for certain. I can't yeah, speak for to, certainty with trying that. Trying to find out because all these years are blending together, especially with COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everything just seems like one linear year. Um, but. I look at it, and this is a big game for A&M, and I think it's an even bigger game for their offense. They need to show something. They need to show some sort of life, whether it's getting the running game going, whether it's Max Johnson getting the passing game going. Like The defense can't carry you sustainably throughout this entire year when you're talking about playing other teams within the SEC that are eventually going to wear you down. I need to see something tangible from the offense for me to believe in this team because that defense is legit. That defense is borderline wrecking crew Mm -hmm. from back in the day. So I need to see the Aggie offense get something going that is tangible. And to go back to that, Kellen was a Selman guy. He was a Selman guy? Mm -hmm. One year Selman guy. But and now like Jimbo But he's brought in yeah. Plenty of his own guys. Yeah. Like, Kellen could have been supplanted by anybody he recruited. Yeah. It's not like Kellen was head no, and shoulders. I agree. No, I agree. And he, I think the proof the in, I think the proof will be in what Connor Wegman? he does with Connor Wegman. That's his first, you know, five star quarterback that he's brought in. If he can turn him into something, then maybe we're still looking at the QB whisperer in Jimbo. But he's got a lot to prove, no doubt about that. It's a QB whisper, but I mean, I I just look at what this Aggie team has done, and offensively, you've got to show me something because Jimbo, you're supposed to be an offensive guy. Yeah, our play calling is quite stagnant and not exciting. Worst play calling so far this year. Yeah, it's not good. No, no, I'm just a uh, question. Worst play calling this year. Kellen Moore, Jimbo Fisher. I'm gonna go with. <laughs> Because they're working with about the same thing at quarterback, it feels like. I think I'm going to go with uh, Jimbo. It's wholly underwhelming to this point, right? Because we saw last week, Kellen was dialing up some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it made me, I mean, I'm not a Kellen sympathizer. I'm honestly kind of on the other side of that fence where I'm getting a little stale and tired of it. But we saw last week if... You trust in the plays that Kellen's dialing up. Good things can happen. And maybe it is 
Dak just trying to read the defense a little too much and checking out of stuff and calling his own plays that kind of stagnates the offense sometimes. So I definitely am going to lean Jimbo just because, I mean, you've got A-Chain who may be the fastest running back in the uh, college football yeah. landscape. Mm-hmm. You've got Anaya Smith who can do it from anywhere on the field. You've got tons of speed in those freshmen. I just think you've got to be more exciting and uh, just have more movement with your play calls when it comes to Jimbo and just trying to get those guys not necessarily open, but well, obviously open, but not open down the field all the time and just let them create with space and their speed because I think there's so much of it on the A&M offense between A-Chain and Nias and Chris Marshall and Evan Stewart. I think that's enough of an offense to go and win a ton of games and be very exciting while you do it. And that's going to fall down. We need the offensive line to certainly step up and be mm-hmm. more dominant. They have not been an Aggie offensive line of old that we've seen for the past several years. Truth. So they have to step up and, and be more dominant in the trenches, and we just have to be a more exciting offensive team. I love it on Twitter. The Aggies will smoke Arkansas just to set up a potential major matchup with number 2 Alabama in a couple of weeks, only to then drop the next week's game against Mississippi State prior to that. (laughs) That would be in classic Aggie fashion. (laughs) My question is, post-Alabama, if we lose to Bama, you go in Wegman? Yes. Because it's over then. You're too lost. You're not making the playoffs. Mm -mm. There's still only four teams getting in. Yes. I go to Wegman. I need to see something offensively. I need a spark because, obviously, Haynes King wasn't in. No. So far, especially if you lose to either Arkansas or Alabama Mm -hmm. and the offense struggles again like it did against Miami, obviously Max Johnson's not it. Yeah. You've got to find that spark offensively mm-hmm. to at least get some consistency. Yeah. You need the ability to score points because right now the Aggie offense isn't scoring points. No, it's not. Whether it's against Sam Houston State, whether it's against App State, whether it's against Miami. They have uh, yeah, struggled I, to score against every every single level of competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I mean one of our scores last week was a a punt return. It was. <laughs> By and, at, and it uh yeah against uh App State a few weeks ago too. Mm-hmm. One of your scores, one of your 14 points yeah. was a kickoff return, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that the offense if, has just been abysmal. But if we do beat Bama, big if. Do you you ride Max Johnson for the rest of the year or do you ever and do you ever turn I don't to Connor? Know, did it did it work out for Calzada? He beat Bama. Yeah, true, but, I mean, Calzada didn't have anyone really biting at his heels to take his job. No, no, but I'm saying, like, you you stayed with Calzada. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have anyone to turn to. You didn't have anyone to turn to, but would would Jimbo, after Calzada beat A&M, made a move even if there was? Probably not. No. (laughs) So, I don't think he would. If Max Johnson beat Alabama, but at the same time, I wouldn't feel great even because that would tell me more about the way the defense played than the offense. Played. Yeah, fair. You know, 
up in Lubbock, where they've been uh, tailgating since Tuesday, mm-hmm. and the HEB's been sold out of tortillas for about two weeks now. Yep. <laughs> Texas Tech is hosting the Texas Longhorns, who fell in the rankings this week to 22 after their 41-20 win over UTSA. The Horns are having Quinn Ewers travel and dress this week. Interesting. He is just two weeks removed from a sprained SC joint. Would you rush him back? Definitely not. I mean, y'all have looked good without him. I think Cousin Card can keep the ship afloat. Decent. Yeah. But, you know... Keep this. He could look good enough to keep the ship afloat while he's rehabbing. Weird things happen in Lubbock, man. No, no you're <laughs> weird not. things happen in Lubbock. You are not wrong about that. That fan base is rabid, and between the tortillas, the noise, just the fans, the close proximity to to the sidelines, mm-hmm. like everything that's going to be going on there, it's going like I feel a weirdness about this game. Like if you remember. Michael Crabtree ruined a possible national championship for Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just weird things no, seem weird to things, happen in no, Lubbock. For sure. I mean, weird things always happen with your rival. It really doesn't matter where you stand. Everyone gets up for that game, no and matter who they are. this could possibly be the last time they play in Lubbock for a long, a long time. Yep. Because Kirby Holka did not seem no. amenable to playing the horns in the future. No, no. <laughs> he was very vocal about them leaving. So, I mean, this is a big one, I think. It uh, is. I don't know. It, if Huck, if Quinn Ewers is healthy, mm-hmm. and he's gone through practice this week, and Sark's like, all right, I don't see any reason not to bring him back other mm-hmm. than it's different taking a hit and falling on that shoulder than practice. Practice. Yeah. You know? Far and away that's different. My main concern mm-hmm. is he hadn't had to take a hit on it yet. No, yeah. Whether it's a hit, just a hit hit, or being driven into the ground again and yeah. landing on it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a completely different thing, and that may force him to suffer an even worse injury. If it's me, I'm I'm giving him another week. You should take care of Texas with what you've got. All you got to do is throw it short to Sanders, deep to Worthy when he's open, <laughs> and just hand the ball off to Bijan 20 times and check it down to him. I mean, that's what you have to do. It's not a whole lot. Hudson Card has all the ability to do that. Y'all's defense has looked much better than anticipated. Much better than anticipated. So just, you know, keep riding the defense and just do the easy things on offense by getting it to your playmakers in any type of space and should take care of itself. I do believe we see Hudson Card today. I yeah. do believe they at least buy you one more week. I feel like you have to. I mean, this is a team that has, you know, winning the Big 12 aspirations. Well, at 2-1, and one, you can still you make can the playoffs. you run the table... Yeah, could and your UT. Your one loss is a one point loss to Alabama. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're UT, you run the rest of the Big Twelve. You're absolutely in the playoff with and the one you, loss to Alabama. On, yeah. On top of that, I think you can get by possibly the next two weeks. Who do they play next week? West Virginia. 
JT or yeah, JT Daniels has looked pretty solid. He looked pretty solid, but I West Virginia doesn't terrify. Me. No, certainly not. <laughs> but you know, Kansas has never terrified y'all before. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> but two weeks after this, though, much like your Alabama game, yes, that's our Oklahoma game, yes. And that's the real witness test. Yes, that's where you want Quinn Ewers at full. Yeah, strength. so you got to keep him healthy until then. You you really do. He is Jack Thompson. I'm James Pledger. Taking a look right here in San Antonio. UTSA. Mm-hmm. They played well. They acquitted themselves well last oh, week yeah. against Texas for sure. And they have a game today against Texas Southern. What would you assume the line on that game is? UT thirteen and a half or UTSA thirteen and a half. You would think, right? Yeah. Thirteen. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Like forty-two and a half. UTSA's forty-two and a half point favorites. Forty-two and a half point favorites. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane, dude. I did not expect like at best maybe twenty. Yeah. Was my expectation? I feel like they'd give you the two touchdown like push, but God, they're giving you a six. They're giving you six touchdowns. God, that is talk about disrespect. <laughs> the amount of disrespect. Dude, Texas Southern must be bad. Texas Southern's not great, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they must be real bad. Wow, I gotta look this up. Yeah, this line when. Jimenez mentioned it yesterday, was just <laughs> insane. Both teams are 1-2, and two, but when you look at Texas Southern, their loss is a 40-23 to 23 loss to Prairie View, which, by the way, just got smoked by Incarnate Word mm-hmm. last week, <laughs> and a 59-27 to 27 loss to North Texas. Their their lone win is a twenty four nothing win over Southern U. I don't know anything about Southern U, but it might be the worst team in college football. Yeah, I mean twenty four <laughs> to zero. Man, they got they got smoked by Prairie View and North Texas. Mm. Smoked. Oh, I'm sorry. The line must have shifted. It's forty three and a half now. Oh, it's even worse now. <laughs> They're giving you above six touchdowns. If I were better. I'm throwing hard on <laughs> that under, man. Like, I cannot imagine that I UTSA... I have to bet the under, right? Yeah. I cannot take 42 and a half and <laughs> feel good because at least that tells me by halftime the backups are in. Yeah. <laughs> 42. And by the fourth quarter, the backups to the backups are in. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, there's not a lot to say about this game because it is expected to be a route. Like, you can go tailgate, have fun, and be dumb by halftime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. And I want to I want to show just a little bit of love before we go to the Incarnate Word Cardinals. They're ranked fourth in FCS. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, they beat a Nevada team in FBS, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... Not a bad team, that Nevada team, by the way. No. And they've got a game this week coming up against South e- Southeastern Louisiana, directional school Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They've had problems against it, but G.J. Kinney 
who is a name I remember very well because he was a highly, highly touted quarterback recruit. He is coming in. He is doing a phenomenal job picking up where Eric Morris left off as he left to become the offensive coordinator at Washington. And Cam Ward left to go be the quarterback at Washington, who was the FCS player of the year the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. just breaking records. And the crazy thing about Incarnate Word is after losing all of that, not only are they really, really, really good still Mm -hmm. after losing your top tier quarterback and top uh, your your head coach but the quarterback they have now Lindsey Scott Jr in his first game against Southern Illinois throws for nearly 400 yards and six touchdowns which is just insanity in and of itself mm-hmm. and in that that game against Nevada he threw for 406 yards four touchdowns only one pick in that game and the receiver Darian Chafin has 262 yards receiving in that game. Yeah. Like they have weapons. Like oh, yeah. Eric Morris recruited extremely well. Yeah. They they have some serious weapons. And GJ Kinney is doing a phenomenal job continuing where this program was despite the losses, which I think is so impressive. That's one of the most impressive things is the fact that he is able, as a first-time head coach, mm-hmm. coming into a, a program that lost two of its major pillars yeah, and just keep the train moving. They have three running backs averaging five yards or more per carry. Yes. Wow. Like, if you get a chance... And they have one, it, two, three, four, five, six, seven receivers... Mm-hmm. That have caught a touchdown. Yes. In a couple of weeks, they are at home again to take on McNeese State. Mm-hmm. If you have a chance, go check out Incarnate Word play. That is a great brand of football. And they Man, are, they're going to beat the hell out of McNeese State, too. And they are really, really good. That is a That is a team... A lot like UTSA, you love watching Frank. Like today, you're going to go out to the Dome, see some really good football from the offense, some really good football from the defense. UTSA, we love to prop them up and put them on a pedestal, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, they are playing extremely well. Same goes for Incarnate Word. Man, I wish they would do an inner city game. Like, I wish Incarnate Word and UTSA played. I know. That'd be sick. But... Yeah, they are one of the best teams. They're ranked fourth in all of FCS behind Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State, and South Dakota State. They are tied for fourth. Like, it is all the people you would expect to be in the at, at the top of the FCS and incarnate word. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is great stuff, great football. Couple of weeks, I think that's a game that. I'm probably going to go check out because that is a 6 o'clock kick. Give me a good time to go out there and tailgate. Yep. Watch some of the early games before I go out there. Incarnate Word Football, Coach G.J. Kenny, congratulations to you. Yeah. He is Jack Thompson. I'm James Pledger. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover. When we come back, we get you ready for the NFL weekend and take a look at some lines that we like this weekend. We, we haven't done it in a while. Football went away. All sports with lines kind of went away. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to look at some of our favorite lines for the weekend. Bring back, spread it out. Hi, this is Paul Feinbaum. Join me and Let's Talk SEC weekday afternoons at 2. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. Bringing back a little bit of a game we used to play called Spread It Out, in which we take a look at the lines, find the ones that we really, really, really like, the ones that we would lay our own hard-earned money on, and likely will via BetUS. But some of these lines, and I've already found a couple that I like within the early and late games, as the first one that, and remember, we saw some huge covers last weekend. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma covered against Nebraska very easily, and Georgia covered against South Carolina extremely easily. Yep. Like, those were games where 70 burgers were almost hung. Yes. And we were just looking like, can they cover? Will they cover? They will. The first one I I like, which is very, very suspect, is Iowa State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Baylor. Oh, okay. Baylor coming off that loss to BYU. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Baylor to cover and win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Now, it's in, it's in Ames, and weird things happen in Ames, just like in Lubbock. Like, Ames is a weird spot to have to play in the Big 12. But I really like that line. Yeah, I, I really I like that line, too. What's one of the ones you really like? Let's see. Looking at this college <laughs> landscape. You, you, you hit me with an ooh in the break. Yeah, I mean, the first one I saw that really stood out to me is the Colts five and a half points over the yeah. or the Chiefs five and a half points over the Colts. You're I think. laying the points? Yeah, I would I would push the points. Like they're gonna score they're gonna win by more than five and a half. You tease it up? Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> tease that up. I I also like that because I do not have a lot of faith in Indy right now. Didn't even now. score last weekend. <laughs> Against Jacksonville. Yeah. And personally, I think the Chiefs defense is playing even better. Yeah, and the the way that the Colts score a bunch of points is they keep the game close and they're able to run it a lot with Jonathan Taylor. Well, I expect the Chiefs to score a bunch of points, which Taking will Jonathan limit Jonathan Taylor's time <laughs> running the ball. So, yeah, easily give me that five and a half. Another game I like today at 2.30, Tennessee's laying an 11 and a half against Florida. I like Florida in this game. I like Florida plus 11. Now, I don't think they win, but 11, 11 is a big number to have to carry mm-hmm. in a battle of top 20 ranked teams. Yeah. I don't see them losing by 11 if they, yeah. I mean, that's that's a fantastic game and line that I really like. I also like Cal minus three and a half at home against Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Arizona is not playing the best. I don't, I don't love the Arizona teams. I don't like what I've seen out of them. And... <laughs> I think both Arizona schools could be looking at new head coaches. I know Herm's yeah. already been fired from Arizona State. Um, Definitely give me that 13-and-a-half OU Kansas State. 
Okay. Yeah, I think Kansas or OU easily covers and wins Especially there. Especially after watching them last week against Nebraska, mm-hmm. because Kansas State can't throw the ball either. No. And that game could get out of hand early, forcing them to it, throw it. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that line, too. I think that's a really good one. Personally, I know you're not a big fan of it. I kind of... Texas A&M's laying two against Arkansas. Yeah. You don't think that line is accurate, right? Like the twenty third team, the twenty third ranked team is a two point favorite against mm-hmm. the tenth ranked team. Yeah, I mean, Vegas knows something. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas always, always knows. knows something. Yeah. So I, I kind of like A and M. I like oh, you know, I like A and M. I like A and M to win this game outright. Yeah, more by yeah by more than two. Yeah. For well, winning, it's more than two. Uh, I don't know if it's more than two. <laughs> I could see a one-point win, but I do like A&M to win this game. The, just the fact it shocked me to see that they are the favorite mm-hmm. against the much, much higher-ranked opponent. Yeah. And that might be a good thing, especially when the rankings come out on Monday. Yeah. I'll definitely take the 45 for uh, Georgia and Kent State. I <laughs> <laughs> if they did that last week to South Carolina, yeah, Kent State doesn't have a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like the uh, two and a half for the Chiefs. I really, really like the Raiders minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. I think Tennessee is in a lot of trouble. And I don't see their offense getting any better. Yeah. They've struggled offensively in two consecutive games against excuse me, the Bills mm-hmm. and the Giants. Yeah. I don't expect them to get better offensively no. against the Raiders. I I would like to think they could. I like the another line I like is the uh minus one for the the Seahawks against the Falcons. I think the Falcons cover I think and the win. The Falcons win. Yeah. I think they went out right as yeah, well. I do too, yeah. So I I'm with you on that one. I really like that line. I also, I don't like the line, minus one, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, but I like the over-under of 42. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the under. These are. Two, I like the under, too. These are two really, really good defenses. And two. Offenses without a lot of weapons. Yeah. <laughs> So could be I, a very run, just straight run heavy game. Fournette versus Aaron Jones. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. So 42. I kind of like the under in that Packers, uh, Packers Bucks game. Give me the, uh, another one being you know a homer. Mm-hmm. Give me the cow the the Cowboys game. The Giants the minus plus one. one. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Give me that. I I also think the Cowboys win that game. Yeah. So I would. I'm with you. Take. Take the point. Yeah. <laughs> You're they're giving you a point. Yeah. Take it. I think because the Cowboys win for sure. I think Micah Parsons makes oh. Daniel Jones life a nightmare yes. on Monday night. I completely agree. And then I mean we and in this game you don't have to worry about the receivers. Like your cornerbacks can play much more freely, you can play a lot of man. So I think we're gonna be I think it's gonna be What do you think the score is? Because the over-under is 39. Mm-hmm. And I could 
I could see that hitting under. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that hitting under. I mean, I think Cooper Rush is just going to dominate the game in a sense of, you know, just even keel like he did last week, making the the right plays when you need them, moving the chains, long drives, finishing it with at least a field goal because we're going to move the ball a lot. So, yeah, I, I could see under 39 being... Very possible. Which could, feels weird in today's NFL that under 39 mm-hmm. and you would seriously consider yeah. the under. I could see this being like a 20 to 10 game. 2013. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't shock me at all. I look at the Cowboys' first two games. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they scored. Three against the Bucks and only allowed nineteen. Mm-hmm. And they only scored twenty against the Bengals and only allowed seventeen. Yeah, and those were far better quarterbacks. And at the time, the Bucks had all their weapons. Yeah, so I mean, nineteen and seventeen respectively for those two. And I look at what the Giants have done in their two freaking wins, and the Giants only scored twenty one, only allowed twenty against the Titans, and then the following week, 1916. Mm-hmm. Like, the only game that covered the 39 that either of these teams has played was Giants-Titans, mm-hmm. and it was barely. Barely, And yeah. that was against a much worse defense in the Titans mm-hmm. than is what the Cowboys are bringing to town. And you could even say, like, a worse offense. Yes! <laughs> yeah, a worse offense than the Cowboys, too. Unfortunately, yes! <laughs> I mean, all they have is Derrick Henry right now. Yeah, and he hasn't even done anything. Because that's all they have. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Teams are selling. Usually when they sold out, that's when Tannehill would hit A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. you know, he had a at least options. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have options. No, nah, Bobby Trees has not been it. Traylon Burks has made it. some plays, but he's not it. Traylon Burks, they, they sold their soul for that one. And it hurt. Yeah. It hurt them because he does not look like he is not AJ Brown. (laughs) (laughs) He is Jack Thompson. I'm James Fletcher. Speaking of the Cowboys and the Giants, they play on Monday night. We're going to talk about that game a little bit more as we saw something out of the offense that we didn't see the week before. We'll discuss it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. And, of course, we're online at sasportstar.com. When all you want is football. 20, 15, 10, and bounces his way into the end zone. Touchdown! San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by Jack Thompson. Yes, sir. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson. I am at I am Pledger. You can follow the station at SA Sports Star. Don't forget, we were talking about the Aggies last segment. You can catch that game right here on your home for Texas A&M football. It is brought to you by Just Potts. Urus Roofing and Ewald Kubota Tractors. It starts. It's uh, it starts at, at five o'clock with the pregame, six o'clock kickoff from up there in Jerry World. We're going to talk about the Cowboys now, who you can catch Monday night right here on your home for the Cowboys, San Antonio Sports Star. 
We've got everything you need for the Cowboys. We're going to be live out at Brewster's Backyard down Pleasanton to get you ready for the game as Jason and Joe will be broadcasting live from 4 to 7, brought to you by Miller Lite. And the Cowboys, of course, are brought to you right here. That game kickoff at 7.15, starts at 6 with the pregame, brought to you by AA Best Bell Bonds, Ewald Kubota, the law office of Jesse Hernandez, the Texas Chancla, and, of course, by the Grove Bar. And speaking of the Cowboys, Jack, is Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott, I know Jerry said he wanted a quarterback controversy. We all know who Jerry <laughs> Jones is. It's not happening. He tried to remind us about Dak and uh, Tony Romo. That's not quite the same. Not even close. But is there is there a possible issue that was hashed out over the last couple of weeks in terms of Dak Prescott finally took some criticism on Monday uh, mm-hmm. or uh, in the opener last week yeah. on Sunday Night Football as we heard him getting booed audibly on TV yeah. as he was very inaccurate. Yeah. Cooper Rush comes in. Making plays. Making plays. The plays were according to the sh- the script. Yeah. Like, he followed the script. Once the script was over, it went into a shell. They went into the two-minute offense at the end of the game. All of a sudden, it's back, right? There's a a big gap in between Mm -hmm. (laughs) their ability to score. But I look at the Cowboys, and Kellen Moore's taken a ton of heat over the last few years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Play calling's bland. It's bad. You know, no commitment to the run. All they've spoke about this whole offseason was a commitment to the run. Week one, we wondered, right? Yeah. Because Zeke Elliott averaged over five yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Only got 10 carries. Only 18 carries total in all mm-hmm. in week one. That game never really was out of hand. No. Right? You could have committed to the run, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially because Dak couldn't throw the ball anywhere. Week two, no Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. Zeke gets 15 carries, only 53 yards. 27 total carries for the Dallas Cowboys, over 100 yards on the ground. Mm -hmm. Combined. Yeah, yeah. Is it Kellen Moore? Or is it Dak Prescott? I think because we heard last year when we asked about there was a commitment to the run after week one against Tampa Bay and Zeke touches the ball like five times mm-hmm. and we immediately well why did Dak throw it fifty times well he checked out of some of them we have run pass options you know he had he had sight checks at the line and stuff like that they showed a, something he checked to this mm-hmm. could the lack of because remember when the Cowboys were really good under Dak. Mm-hmm. 13 a lot of that dealt with Dak early really not checking out of plays. Yeah. Giving it to Zeke mm-hmm. and working off play action and off the run game and, and really his first few years in the league when Zeke was prime Zeke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how the offense functioned. Yeah, yeah. Since then, Dak has gotten more and more control. We have seen less and less of the run, which obviously you're paying him a ton of money. Yeah. But it is he think he's doing he too much too much control he's doing too much i mean i think he's while kellen there is some blame for kellen i mean 
it's obvious sometimes our play calls are not good. And you saw it like some last week, a lot of weird trick plays that we tried to pull for no reason at random times when we were moving the ball. We saw it week one, two, Kellen, like sometimes it's just really predictable and not good, but it also falls in Dak's lap too because we see when the script is followed and you're not checking down of every play, Cooper Rush was moving the ball. And they run the football. Yeah. So I think there it's, is a nice I think it's, balance. I think it's, you know, kind of 50 50, both of them. Dak doing too much and sometimes Kellen also doing too much or not doing enough in the right, uh, you know, positions. But yeah, there's something to be said about what we saw last week and compared to the week before. And this week could be a n- Monday, we could see even more to this theory mm-hmm. that. If there is, you know, over 25 rush attempts mm-hmm. and Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore still threw the ball 30, 31 times. Yeah. It's not like they took the ball out of the quarterback's hands. No. But Dak is getting up into the 40 and 50 chart when you're talking. I've said this about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes before. Mm-hmm. Like, they're too dependent on Patrick Mahomes. They don't run the football enough at times. So far early in the season, they have committed a little bit more to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and yeah. Patrick Mahomes looks extremely dangerous throughout this. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen's another, you know, despite their not being a great run team, they still run the football, whether it's with Josh Allen or yeah. with one of the backs that no, they No, they still, yeah. But they, sure. there's still a commitment to the run. It feels like when Dak is under center, there is less of a commitment to the run, and I'm wondering if that falls more on Dak than Kellum in a sense that Dak's checking out of these. Yeah, that part. Which we've heard before mm-hmm. he has. Yeah. And Kellum Moore is starting to get a little bit of undue hate on his offensive play calling, and he's obviously not saying anything because he's protecting his quarterback. Mm-hmm. But is Dak trying to do too much? No, I certainly think Dak's trying to do too much. Because sometimes Definitely. you just got to run the football down somebody's throat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just keep, you got to keep them honest. You got to keep the defense honest and keep stacking the box up because you don't know when we're going to run it. But yeah, I think in that regard, yeah, a lot of it falls on Dak's plate, checking out too much, Uh, you know. I love that he believes in himself to make the right plays, sure. but sometimes you just got to go with what's scripted and what's being called. So that also keeps the defense honest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it falls pretty heavily on both plates, him and Kellen. I think at some point as the offensive coordinator, you got to be like, look, you're going to run what's called. Yeah. Like, stop stop checking out of things. Yeah. Like, w- there's a reason for this. It's to set something up mm-hmm. later. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, I I found it weird, especially after the win, and hopefully there's another one on Monday to where the Cowboys are 2-1, and one, but I think Monday we'll find out if this truly is more of a Dak thing than a Kellen thing with a commitment to the run mm-hmm. on Monday night, and I think that's going to be very impressive. I think this is a good chance for Zeke Elliott to possibly get 15 to 20 carry. I think we could see a 100-yard game from Zeke. Let's hope. I think it, I have him on a league. I think I know you do, <laughs> and I'm sorry about that. I tried to warn you. Well, this is a dynasty. <laughs> I've had him. Oh, okay. I've had him. <laughs> You've been listening to the Saturday morning hangover, Jack. Well, he is headed off into the sunset. Yes, sir. He is- I'm leaving.
We'll be back next Saturday. Safe travels. Yeah, we will. Good luck. Enjoy your football weekend.